Amen. Um, turn to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. And if you don't mind standing. But I'm preparing you for seven days of walking. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of God. There's only one person in the entire Bible who doesn't have parents. That's Joshua, the son of God. Just kidding. It's actually his parents' name. None. Anyhow, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, and all the people to the land which I am giving to them and the children of Israel. Every place that's, that the sole of your foot I will tread upon, and I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this, Le as, and this Lebanon as far as the great river the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. To give you an idea, before I continue reading, Moses is dead. The successor of Moses is Joshua. The Lord speaks to Joshua and says, Hey, just as I promised Moses, I'm going to give you this entire land. All these Canaanites, their entire land I'm going to give to you. Every step that you take, I will be with you. If you don't understand, if, if you, the greatest part of Jericho didn't even happen at Jericho. To understand the faithfulness and the obedience that it took for Joshua to even begin this was a miracle in itself. Lord, I thank you, Father, for this opportunity. I pray that each and every one of us, Father, have an open heart to your word, to your opportunity. We invite you, Father. I pray over my time here, up here, Lord, I pray that uh, uh, you make it pain-free, that your word be spoken, that, uh, that I just be used. Um, Father God, that you use this broken, chubby vessel, Father, to speak word of life into these people, Father God, to, to prepare them, Father, for their Jericho walls to fall down, Lord. I ask, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that we increase his spirit of faith, a spirit of obedience, Father God, and a reckless love to go after what you've called us to do. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. So I just read you the beginning of Joshua. I'm going to read to you the story of Jericho real quick. Turn to chapter 6, and we will get into it. Follow along with me. Jericho chapter 6. Don't worry, this chapter is only 27 verses. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war, and you shall go around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. 
It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, there it is again, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of rams, horns, before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march the city and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of rams, horns, before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant Follow them. The armed men went up before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the, tr and the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then he came into the camp and lodged into the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Verse 13, Then seven priests, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns, before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Obedience, faith, and detail being followed right here, not only by the army, but by Joshua. And the second day, they marched around the city once, returned to the camp, so they did this six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the drawing of the day and marched around the city seven times. In the same manner on that day, only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened, when the priests blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, Shout! For the Lord has given you this city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, and it, and by the Lord by its destruction, and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in the house, because she did the messengers that were sent. She hid the messengers that were sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take off the accused things. And make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron, and, and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened. When the people heard that the sound of the trumpets and the people shouted with a great shout, the walls fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both men and women and young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua said to the men who had spied out to the country, Go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought her, and brought Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out of her all the relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city and all that was in with fire. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day. 
She hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds the city, Jericho. He, he shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. Somebody say amen. 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 I just read, you, read to you perhaps one of the greatest war stories in all of history. To give you a little bit of background in regards to Joshua and the Israelites, this is their second battle. Their first battle was Gilgal. And there was no battle. They all volunteered and surrendered. So you've got an army of Israelites who are not really an army. They're a bunch of ragtag people who have spent 40 years in the wilderness. And now their leader has died. And now a new commander has spoken to their new commander, which is Joshua. And the Lord tells Joshua, I need you to cross the river and take Jericho. And everything that I promised Moses, I will give to you. I want you to understand something. Archaeologically, archaeologically I really tried to say that. <laughs> and historically, this was one of the, the greatest battles in all of history. For many reasons. One, they all went up to Jericho. In the old days, many cities were much higher elevation than 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 the ocean for a couple of reasons. One, for protection. Two, most cities built on top of other rubbled cities. They didn't have excavations. They didn't have earth movers and bulldozers to move a city and lay it foundation and grade it and do it all the way it's supposed to. They just built on top of the city. So Jericho is actually built on two cities. That's why it had so many walls. It had a moat around it and then an 18-foot wall, and then an embankment, and then another 18-foot wall, another embankment, and then another 18-foot wall. They didn't build all three of those walls. They just built the last one. Those other walls were from previous cities that Jericho was built on. So when the Bible says that this city was a fortified city, it truly was fortified. Because at that level, with the size of these walls, these walls were 18 feet tall, there was three sections of them. They were five feet deep. History tells us that Rahab, and they were actually called innkeepers, but they were the prostitutes, lived in the walls at the top portion of it. So they were the last defense of the city before the archers began to throw their archers. And the Canaanite army would come down and decimate anybody who tried to take over the city. That's how Rahab was found. She was living in the top wall. It's five foot deep, and she was basically the eyes of the city as well as the other prostitutes or innkeepers. So Jericho is staring at Joshua right here in the face. It's imposing, it's impenetrable, and it's towering over him. This was the greatest fortified city in all of history. Armed with not only sophisticated weaponry, but these Canaanites were no joke. They were they were much more trained than any of the Israelites following Moses and now following Joshua. Are you following me? And in the, in the beginning of the scripture, it was on lockdown. So they were prepared and they were willing and they knew what was coming. What's crazy is that many of us don't, don't even understand that God's already prepared victory for us, but we're still facing and staring at walls. For most of us, it's, 
It's very difficult. Our focus is just on the wall. Our focus is just on the city of Jericho. Our focus is looking at it. How am I going to get there? Whether it's, I don't know what your Jericho might be. It could be anger. It could be frustration. It could be addiction. It could be finances. It could be your marriage. It could be a divorce. It could be a stepchild. I don't know what it is. But all of us have Jerichos. And I'll tell you one thing that we can learn from Joshua right here, right now. Is this dude won the battle before even fighting? And most of us are so busy trying to prepare to fight, we don't even let God fight for us. Our focus is on Jericho, this huge city, all these walls, this moat, this river. How do we get there? What do we do? So not only is this a, a, a privilege for me, uh, this is my nine years or seven years of doing this, I think. Seven or eight. Um, nine years I've been here being discipled by Pastor Vaughn. And um, every year I get something different. Every year I get delivered from something different. Um, even last year, not being able to walk, um, sitting in the wheelchair at the park or sitting in the seat in the, at the park, my prayer was always, um, I don't know what you're doing, Lord. Uh, I haven't been able to walk for a year and a half. And whatever it is that you're doing, please make it known to me so I can learn from it and either continue in the, in the right way or start going a different way because I, I don't understand. Yesterday, was, last year was a very difficult year for me. Um, so for me to have this privilege, um, I think is fruit from my obedience last year went to the park made amen went to the park every day couldn't help much couldn't carry but had to sit there in pain after the second knee surgery and so forth and so on but for me I had my own Jericho for most of us what's the equivalent of your Jericho today what's keeping you from the promised land God's already promised us what's keeping you from your promised land I'm going to read something to you and this is the foundation of every single victory that you're looking for. This is perhaps the perfect blueprint for any and every single one of your Jerichos to come down. Like I mentioned, it could be a marriage, it could be a divorce, it could be addiction, it could be porn, it could be sin, it could be cigarettes, it could be alcohol, it could be loneliness, forgiveness, anger, it doesn't matter. Remember, sin is anything that misses the mark. And for many of us, including all of us, we've all missed the mark. Every single one of us. There's only one sinless man and he died on the cross for us. Period, point blank. So don't think that you're any different or that I'm any different because I'm up here. Because my lie is just as bad as your porn or my anger is just as bad as your murder. Whatever it is, God looks at the heart, not on the outside. Remember, he tells us in the, in the Bible that if you look on a woman, that's just adultery. Instantly. If you hate somebody, that's murder. So it doesn't matter if you've acted on it or if you've just thought about it. 
The walls of Jericho were an impenetrable force to any army that was trying to overtake the city. Before even dealing with the walls and the city and Jericho, the attacking troops would have to navigate their way across a 29-foot-wide, 10-foot-deep pit that lined the outer edges of the city. What's crazy is some of us have our own moat around our own Jericho. You're so defensive about your own ineptitude, your own inability to deal with whatever you're dealing with, that you've put a moat around it that nobody can cross. Nobody can help you with. Because you're prideful. You're not willing to open up. You're not looking for accountability. And the root of, you like your Jericho. Period, point blank. That's the truth. This pit that's lined the outer edges of the city was, was 10 feet thick, each wall being 19 feet tall, 5 foot thick. The attacking army had to manage to get this far without being shot down by the Canaanites' archers. This was the reality for a young leader named Joshua who was following Moses and his ragtag Israelite army. An army that has seen an entire generation die before them in the wilderness. They're up against it. They're starving. They're not qualified. They're not trained. They've seen an entire generation die in their wilderness. They've been walking around in circles for 40 years. And all of a sudden they come up to the greatest city with the greatest army in the city. And God's promised them, I've given it to you, but this is what you have to do. For many of us, regardless of what your Jericho is, God needs your obedience. In every hopeless situation, I'm 46, I haven't lived long, but I've lived long enough to know that, the, that all of us have walls in our lives. All of us have a moat around these walls. And all of us have hopeless situations. But all of us forget that God is glorified in our hopeless situations. That's the exact moment that he wants to work in you because it takes faith, it takes obedience, and guess what? You don't get the credit for it, he does. So, before we can get to see the victory of Jericho, we've got to see what happened before. And here is the blueprint of winning at every battle, including whatever your Jericho is. So turn with me to Joshua chapter 5. Same chapter, same story, same person, same God. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Okay, I'm a little excited, sorry. My voice is, my voice is squeaking. <laughs> hey, me, I've got my own Jerichos i got to deal with, so I'm, I'm excited. I need to pray. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a little overwhelmed. A couple examples before we read Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Adam and Eve ruined paradise here on earth by inviting sin and den into a perfect world. A hopeless situation. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers and his pride and was put into prison. A hopeless case. Moses was cornered in the banks of the Red Sea with the greatest army charging down his neck. A hopeless case. Gideon was 300 against 300,000. 
a hopeless situation. David stood across the valley from a bloodthirsty nine-foot giant, a hopeless case. Esther was a woman trying to gain a word with the prideful king, a hopeless opportunity. Daniel's roommate was a lion, a hopeless situation. His friends were thrown into an oven, a hopeless opportunity. Jonah sucked at his job, couldn't turn Nineveh to repent, and was swallowed by a whale, a hopeless situation. Peter was a coward. Paul was imprisoned. The 5,000 had no food. Lazarus was dead. Timothy was too young. Abraham was too old. The youngest son was too stupid, and the walls of Jericho were too strong, and Jesus was hung on a cross. All hopeless situations. The cool thing is, that's not where the story ends. So let me read to you. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked up, and behold, a man stood opposing him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Hey, are you for our adversaries or are you for us? And he responded, No. I am the commander of the army of the Lord. I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Come on, somebody. When Joshua was by Jericho, wasn't even close to it yet. The scripture says, what did he do? He had to look up. In your life, stop focusing on your stupid Jerichos because it's possible for the walls to come down and look up. Don't focus on your problem. Focus on the solution. And for all of us, scripture clearly tells us that God will be part of every solution. The first thing Joshua did was that he looked up. He noticed where he was. He was by Jericho. It was looming in the distance. It was right in front of him, staring him at the face. He's got a group of people who are totally nervous, and yet the first thing he does was he looks up. Man, take your eyes off your drama and put your eyes on the Lord. Joshua's first thing is he looks up. Ultimately, whatever gets your attention will consume you. And it's real easy to be consumed by your Jericho because it's standing in your face with a moat and sets of walls and archers and whores that are living in the walls. It, I get it. Life is not easy. Jerichos can be overwhelming. For some, it's a terminal illness. For some, it's... You get the point. The more you think about your Jericho and the more you focus on it, the bigger it gets, the more overwhelming it becomes, the more it weighs you down. Joshua did something that Jesus says you need to do. In Matthew chapter 6, 33, Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things shall be added to you. If you look up first, 
He will provide the victory. First and foremost, this blueprint for everybody's Jericho is you must look up. Joshua looked up and saw the commander of the Lord's army. You know who this is? This is Jesus. This is Jesus. I'll share, you, share with you how the Bible clearly tells that it is. Scholars, historians. But Joshua looked up, turned his eyes onto Christ, his attention away from Jericho, and onto his God. For that moment, he made his God bigger than his Jericho. And that's all God's looking for. Focus on me. I'll take care of the rest. Listen to me. I will do all the work. You don't need to fight your own battles. I'm going to ask of things from you. And there's going to be, need, there's going to be some faith that's going to be needed. There's going to be some obedience that's going to be needed. But just focus on me. The first thing Joshua did, and something we all need to do this week, as we walk around the city... As we're praying for ourselves and whatever your Jericho might be, it could be pride. I, there's a million things that it can be that you could be struggling with. This week is about you and your Jericho. The first thing is you need to look up and focus on God. I'm a, and, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a prophet. Amen. I'm going to be a prophet for you right now. Everything that could happen this week will to you to keep you away from Jericho. Period. Point blank. Because there's going to be some serious victory and the enemy doesn't want that. So you're going to have a flat. You might get in an accident. I'm not speaking this and I'm not hoping for any of this. And I pray that God protects each and every single one of us. Because he's given us the promise that every foot and every soul and every spot that we place on, we've already overcome it. But it's going to be difficult for you. Your sick kids are going to get, get sick. Sarah's dealing with a kidney infection and her back is hurting. I'm still on half a leg. There's a lot of things that are going to happen to try to keep you from Jericho. I promise you, if you just focus on God, it'll minimize your Jericho facing you. The second thing Joshua said or did, and it came to pass in verse 13, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes, put his focus on the commander of the Lord's army, and behold, a man stood opposite of, of him, with a sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? Joshua looked up and saw a man standing before him with a sword in his hand. The second thing Joshua did was he fell on his face. The moment you understand that God has got everything in control, you need to let it go. You need to fall on your face. That is the hardest thing for all of us, not only as human beings but as Christians, to completely surrender. It's in our nature to be completely prideful and to think that we can do anything, that we can accomplish with it, and then we'll ask God when we need him what to do and how to do it. And if Mary was here, Mary will tell you, she's a pharmacist, but many of our Christians use Jesus Christ as a pharmacist. Here's my prescription for the day. This is what I want filled. This is how I want you to do it. And you think not only is that appropriate for the king of the king and lord of lords who's, who's forgiven you of your sins, but you and I do it consistently. God, this is my issue. This is how I want it fixed. And this is where I need to be. That's not the right way. 
That is not the right way. So much so that Joshua said, hey, are you with me or are you against me? And the army of the Lord and the commander of the army of the Lord didn't even answer his question. He said, no. How many of you have asked your children, hey, did you clean your room? Dad, what time is it? What? <laughs> For many of us, we ask God, we answer God's question with a question. Son, did you clean your room? Dad, what time is it? What? Did you not hear what I asked you? Joshua tells the commander of the Lord's army, are you with us or are you against us? And he responds, no, but as commander of the army, I have now come. Not only was Joshua forced to fall on his face in complete surrender and humility, he's asked to do something completely unexpected. Don't need to turn there, but I'm going to have Zach put this scripture up. 2 Chronicles 7.14. 2 Chronicles 7.14. Zach might have it up. The Bible says that if my people who were called, if you're here, you've been called. If you are here, you are God's chosen. The Israelites were God's people. They were called. If they would humble themselves and pray and what? Seek my face. We talked about looking up. And we talked about falling on your face. And turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and hear their land. God is literally telling Samuel, this is how I will forgive the people's sins and their lands. All you got to do is two things. Pray and humble yourself. Come on. Here's the ingredient. Here's the prescription. This is the prescription we should be giving to Christ. Not, hey, here's my issue, and this is what he said, and this is how he did it, and I need 30 milligrams of forgiveness here, and I need an extra paycheck on this day, and that's what I'm going to use it for. No, that doesn't work that way. Joshua asks the commander of the Lord's army, hey, are you with us or are you against us? And he responds, no, but I, as the commander of the army, have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to earth and worshipped and said, What does my Lord say to his servant? All of a sudden, he thought he had the right question. But after he got rebuked by the commander of the Lord's army, now Joshua understands. I am speaking to God Almighty. And God tells him, I'm not answering your question. I'm not going to fix your problem the way you think you are because I know what's best for you. You don't know how much of that Jericho has kept you out of trouble. You don't know how to handle this Jericho if I bring it down. And if I do right now, you're not fast enough to get out of its way or these walls will crush you. Come on, somebody. Don't you think God knows better? Man, we want God to do it this way, this time, at this moment, and we have no idea. We can't see the end from the beginning. Come on. Your Jericho could still be there for your protection. Woo! So what about you? What have you been asking the Lord God to fight? What have you been asking God to take away or to change or to help you with your personal Jericho? 
Many of us tell God this exact same quote, you need to fix this for me this way at this time. And you need this Jericho, I need this Jericho to be taken away from me. Here's what I want you to do, God. And all of a sudden, God's become our divine pharmacist. Here's my prescription. Here's what I believe will be best for me. How does Joshua respond to the abrupt answer? Joshua fell on his face, began to worship, and said to him, What do you command your servant, my Lord? Sometimes when you're done looking up, first and foremost, seeking first the kingdom of God, your second question is, how can I partake in what you're going to do? That's it. You let God do everything else. Just ask, how do, I, how, do I, how do I help? If you want me out of the way, tell me. If you want me to be a part of it, let me know. Tell me what to do, how to do it. Joshua not only fell on his face, but he surrendered his entire task that moment. And he truly meant the Lord's prayer. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Many of us need to fall on our face before our Jericho. Because Christ, the commander of the Lord's army, is here. You've been praying for things in your life to get changed. You've been praying for your husband. You've been praying for your wife. You've been praying for your children. You've been praying for your marriage. You've been praying for your finances. You've been praying for this illness, your neighbor, this disease, your stepchild, whatever the case may be. God is listening, but you're too focused on your Jericho and not focused on him. Your prayer should be, forgive us, Lord. I'm changing my requests. I will no longer ask or tell you how I need to be delivered. I will ask, how do I be a part of the deliverance? We just finished a series of deliverance. A deliverance from sin and condemnation. A deliverance from fear on one day. A deliverance from isolation the other. A deliverance from comparison. The church puts all these series and, and everything a year in advance. There's no secret that we went through an entire series of deliverance right before Jericho. We're trying to help you overcome your own Jerichos. But you've got to do what the word of God says. You've got to focus on him. You got to surrender yourself. This by far is my best topic. I, just, I, I, I'm, uh, I, uh, man, and it's part of my upbringing. If you, if you don't know, I'm Egyptian, and I, I grew up in the Orthodox Church, and there's so much reverence. Obviously, Gary grew up in the Orthodox Church as well as Julia. So our communion is done just as the Orthodox used to do it. By hand, it takes... Thank you, Gary, for all the effort and sacrifice and everybody that helped you do the communion. But it literally takes all night long at baking this bread and making sure it's at the right temperature and stamping it. There's so much that goes involved. There's an entire day of reverence put into just making this bread. And so growing up in the Orthodox Church, as he did and some of the other um, uh, family that's in, in this church... We were always 
uh, forced to kind of respect certain order. There was a lot of tradition. It's it, it, not only tradition and religion, and I'm not talking bad about it, but there's tradition, there's religion, and then there's a relationship with Christ. Um, and it depends on where you are in your walk with Christ, maybe where you are in that in those three categories. But as a young child, there was complete reverence in that church. I mean, there was no talking. The women sat on one side, the men sat on the, this side. There was no holding hands. There was no, you know, looking up your scripture on the phone. None of that. There was a lot of reverence. So at this point of my message, when the commander of the Lord of the army says, take off your shoes, which is the first instruction that the angel of the Lord's army gives to Joshua, a mighty man of valor. I don't want you to do anything just take off your shoes and worship me man this is my favorite point because for most of us we'll seek God first and you're spiritually mature enough to kind of surrender all right God I'm not as smart as I thought of I, I thought I was T take over for me help me out but at a moment with the Jericho facing, rent is due, foreclosure is here, the car got just impounded, you got bad news from the doctor, whatever it is, at that moment when the Jericho's still standing and the walls are right in your face and God tells you, don't worry about anything, just worship me. Take off your shoes for the ground that you stand on is holy. Come on. In the presence of the man with the drawn sword, Joshua fell on his face and did exactly what, he asked, what was asked. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. Joshua did so that. There's only one other time where somebody said, hey, take your sandals off, because the ground that you stand on is holy, and that's the burning bush. And it's not a coincidence that the two people said the same thing. Man, first Joshua looks up, then Joshua surrenders and falls on his face. Now he's asked to take his shoes off, consistently worshiping every soul, every step. Scriptures is about gaining spiritual ground. Don't forsake the assembly. It is not very difficult to stay in worship when you're in church, when you're around people who are like-minded, when you're worshiping, when you're studying the Word of God, and you're in an environment of worship. It's a lot easier to stay in worship when you're in that environment. So when you say, ah, I don't need a church, I can worship at home. Yeah, you can. That doesn't keep you out from heaven. Absolutely. But the reason we attend worship, the reason we attend Bible studies, the reason we attend church, the reason we read the Bible, the reason we pray and meet with other like-minded Christians in small groups, in large groups, because it helps us to not only look up, to stay in humility, and to worship consistently. Because the first command of the Lord was, take off your shoes, you are standing on holy ground. That's the third thing you need for your Jerichos to come down. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, I'll start at 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us consider one another, not only to stir up love, but to stir up good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of another, and so much the more as you see this day approaching. That is telling you 
This is right before the book of faith in Hebrews, how important it is to stay in an environment of worship. How much more is it important that the first command that Christ gives to Joshua is to worship? This is interesting. Again, it's not, it's not what Joshua expected. He's, he's saying, okay, I get it. You are the Lord God Almighty. You've come to deliver Jericho. You're going to help me, and I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to fall on my face and be humble and surrender. All right, what first? Do we flank them? Do we go around them? When do we cross the Jordan? What this? Stop. He says, there's no war right now. It's time to worship. Man, some of you are more interested in war than you are in worship. Come on, somebody. Are you getting what I'm going at? I mean, so many of us are so interested about fighting and doing it our way. And this is not Burger King, have it your way. I mean, you literally have to, you have to focus on what God is trying to tell you. Stand still. Let me do my thing. I need you to be faithful. I need you to be obedient. And I need you to worship me. Period. Point blank. This is the prescription for every Jericho. This is the prescription for every wall in your life to come down. This is it. You've got to look up, you've got to surrender, and you've got to take your shoes off. This is a military guy. What do you think Joshua's thinking? He's in the midst of Christ incarnate. And literally, the first command that Christ gives him is take your shoes off. The commander of the Lord's army calls Joshua not to worship first and not to war, but to adore and not to attack. He calls him to wait in the presence of himself, slow down, take your shoes off, and worship me. Be still and know that I am God, because Jericho will come down when I say it will. Man. This is always the order for every spiritual battle. We need to first ascend and understand, look up to God, surrender, be humble, and enter into worship. You know why? It's okay to ask why. Why are you saying this, Ray? I'll tell you why. Because worship makes God look bigger than your problems. And then next thing you know, you begin to act like God is bigger than your problem. And then next thing you know, it feels like God is bigger than your problem. And next thing you know, your Jerichos begin to come down because now you have placed God in its rightful order. Do you know that idol worship is putting your Jericho before God? Oh, you didn't want to hear that. You didn't want to hear that putting your problems before God is idol worship. Whew. First commandment says, nothing comes before me. But you're so busy focused on your problems, your drama, your ish, than God himself. That's idol worship. You see, sin just begins to snowball. It starts with a compromise. You don't understand when a marriage falls apart or when finances go astray or when or it doesn't matter what it is, it always starts with, what did I say, RJ? What did I try to tell you? How does sin start? One compromise at a time. It starts with a thought. That's where sin starts. Everything else is the effects of it. 
Your marriage is falling apart because of your compromise years before. Your finances are falling apart because your inability to be a good steward of what God has given you, whether it's a lot or a little, long before being bankrupt. Your spiritual walk is not falling apart because you're acting in sin. It's because of a compromise months ago. When you focus on your Jericho so much, so often, and these walls are staring you at in your face, you begin to put them before your own God. That's why his first command was say, no, we're not flanking them. No, we're not, not going to send the catapults. No, we're not going to start throwing flaming arrows. We're not doing anything else. I want you to sit still, know that I am God, know that your Jerichos will come down, and just worship me right now. This week, you have to act that way. This week, put God before your Jerichos. In your notebooks, if you've registered already, if you haven't, please do so. Go on the way, on the app. Uh, that was my two-second two plug. But go on there, register for Jericho. If you're looking to get sponsored, raise your hand, say something to somebody. There's a lot of people here willing who, are, who have been blessed that are willing to bless other people, so forth and so on. If you need to get sponsored, so be it. In other words, if you can't register, ask somebody for help. But... What I'm trying to get at is when you get your packet, you get your registration, you get your notebook, the first thing I suggest that you put in your notebook before even the first day of the prayer walk starts is God is bigger than my Jericho. If you can focus on God himself, excuse me, first and foremost, then your Jericho, man, you're ahead of the game. You're ahead of the game. Put your sunglasses on, walk the city of Brea, and tell God, listen, I'm going to look up at you, I'm going to surrender, I'm going to be humble, and I'm going to worship you. Because that is the blueprint for every Jericho to come down. Worship causes our God to get bigger. God appears bigger in our lives, in our hearts, and in our eyes. We see him for who he really is and what he is to come. We're captured by his greatness, by his beauty, his loveliness, his power, his godliness, his strength, his love. This is what happens when God is bigger than your, than your Jericho. But when your Jericho is bigger than your God and you're not willing to worship God, you're willing to worship Jericho, then what you see is an impenetrable city, a city on a hill, three sets of walls, a 27-foot moat. You still got to cross the Jordan. The Israelites are not trained enough like the Canaanites. You've got whores living at the top of the walls, in the walls, spying out the land and everybody that's coming up, and the city is prepared for you to come up to it. Joshua had no idea how this was going to happen. I'm no dummy. I may look like it, but some people say, my wife says I'm smarter than I look. So take that for what it's worth. Take, you all don't have to laugh. But take that for what it's worth. I learned pretty quickly in my mistakes. The moment something is not fruitful or something didn't turn out to be godly or it's not a blessing, man, I'm on my knees saying, God, what do I do? Was I too much involved? Was I not enough involved? Where did I fall for it? Because surely this is not of you. Because a good tree does not bear bad fruit. Period. Point blank. And I don't believe I'm a bad tree anymore. I've been forgiven. So I bear good fruit because this is a good tree. But what I'm asking is, was I too involved? Was I not enough involved? 
How do I get where I need to be? Once you've been in the presence, you've gotten a French glimpse of who he is. Instead of telling our God how big our problem is, we start telling our problems how big our God is. You ever seen those people? And most of the time they're elder or either senior citizens, whatever the case may be. They're spiritually mature, let's just say. And it's okay because my parents are like that and a lot of older folks are like that, but it takes time to get that wise. It takes time to have that experience where it doesn't matter. Don't worry, God will take care of that. That ain't nothing. You're like, what are you talking about? I'm about to lose my job. I have six kids to feed and you're going to tell me it's okay, Dad? Don't worry, Dad will get you. You're doing right, God will take care of you. And, and, and it always comes to pass. One, because they have a faith from experience, they've gone through it, they've seen God deliver their Jerichos, and they know that if you're seeking God first, if you're humbling yourself and you're worshiping him, you're doing three out of the four things that need every Jericho for it to come down, that it's going to be okay. I hope to get there soon. Amen. I hope to get there sooner than later. Because it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty powerful um, as a father of six, for my six to see, man, dad's gone through it. And we're still okay. Man, mom's gone through it. And we're still okay. We still got, everything is met. Everything is met. Joshua 5, 13, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he looked up and behold, a man stood opposite with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went, oh, you know what's crazy? Here's Christ already with a sword in his hand. Joshua doesn't realize it. God's already got the victory. I just, I, God just told me that right now. God's already got the victory. His sword's already out. He hasn't put it back in. But we're so busy about our Jericho. We're like, well, what do we do? He's like, man, I've already, you see the blood? I've already got it. I've got it. God's got this. Sword's already drawn. Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or against us? Again, asking the worst question, the wrong question. Not, hey, what can I do? How can I help, Lord? How can I be a part of this? Use me. No, no, no. Are you for me or are you against me? I need to know right now. I need to be protected. I need to know who I let past my moat. I need to know who I let close to my Jericho. Come on, people. Some of your Jerichos are still up because you won't let anybody help you with them. You're not interested in Pastor Vaughn's accountability or my accountability or discipleship. You're not interested in being a grown man being told what to do. You're just not interested in it. That just removes you from step two and humbling yourself and surrendering, right? Hey, I didn't say it. That's just what the Bible says. That's what Joshua did. Verse 14, so he said, no, but as commander of the army, I have now come. So Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped him and says, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the army said to Joshua, take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. This is right even before they began to march. This is Joshua chapter 5. I read you Joshua chapter 6 and the story of how the walls fell. To 
conquered Jericho, Joshua had to look up, fall on his face, take off his shoes. Then he asked the right question. Joshua 6.2. Actually, let's go into 6.1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. So, not only is the most impenetrable city in history prepared for people to come and attack, but they haven't allowed any of the Canaanites out, obviously, and haven't allowed any of the Israelites in, except for the two spies that Joshua sent earlier, which Rahab hid upon her roof. That's one of the innkeepers that we said, talking about some of the whores that lived in the top of the wall because these walls were so thick. It was the last uh, sign of defense, if you would, with the women uh, living in the walls. Then in verse 2 of Joshua chapter 6, he says, And the Lord said to Joshua, so here's the commander of the Lord's army, swords drawn. He tells him, first of all, Take off your shoes. This is holy ground. After you've sought me, after you've looked up, after you've surrendered, now worship. And then look what he says. See, I have given you Jericho. Do you know that God has already given you victory and the Jericho's still standing because you don't believe it? Oh, Joshua's like, what are you talking about? I see walls, I see arches, I see a moat, I still got to cross the Jordan, and you're telling me you've already given it to me. What Jesus is telling Joshua right here, right now, is have faith. It's have faith. Have faith and walk it out. Literally, have faith and walk it out. Walk it out. You can do it any way you want. You could do it as a dance. You could do it any way you want. Have faith and walk it out. Now march around the city for seven days, and on the seventh day, march around it seven times. And after you've done that, everyone shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Your faith should be an anticipation of God's victories on your behalf. Man, some of you struggle walking out your faith and your salvation. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2.12 that you need to work out your own salvation. You need to do your own walk. At Jericho, all of us wearing the same shirts in the downtown city of Brea, walking in the midst of downtown Brea, you're going to smell pot, you're going to see people hammered uh, some of these nights, especially on Friday night. It is not easy to walk and silently pray for your Jericho in the midst of an army that's against you. What's funny about scripture is most of it is prayer, preparation. Some of it is purpose. The last thing that you need to do is participate. The last thing you need to do is participate. Scripture is about prayer, preparation, and lastly, participation. Philippians, work out your own salvation. When you register, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as my presence, 
only, but now much more in my absence. This is Paul telling the church of Philippi, listen, I know you guys are awesome when I'm around, but when I'm not around, do what you're supposed to, is really what he's saying. That was the English Arabic version of it. This is the New King James. But truth be told, he's telling them, my beloved, as you always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You do your own stuff in fear and trembling of the Lord. You participate in it. You reach out to say somebody and say, hey, I'm struggling. My wife is crazy. Or I'm struggling. My husband's lost his, his mind. Or we can't figure this out. Or call another mother and say, hey, I know you got six kids. How do you deal with anger? How do you deal with patience? Oh, well, God gave you more kids. That's how. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But truth be told, if you're not reaching out, if you're not working out your own salvation, if you're not participating, you're never going to see the victory. You're never going to see the fruitfulness. When you register for Jericho, you're going to get a wristband. That wristband is a reminder that you've got to work it out. You can't pray all week long to be nicer to your wife and the next morning be a jerk. You've got to work out your faithfulness. You can't promise God all week long, Lord, I'm going to get my finances right. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to put you first. Like Raymond said, the Lakers don't come first. Conor McGregor doesn't come first. My Jericho doesn't come first. Everything else in life doesn't come first. I'm going to put you first and my finances are going to be proof of that. And then the next day, go drop three bills on some new kicks and say, I can't tithe. See, you got it all backwards. Your budget's upside down. It should be honoring God. And then if you have leftover, then you can get your new kicks. But you guys don't want to be a part of FPU. That's another plug. Financial peace starts in September. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That wristband, truly, in your registration packet, that wristband is to remind you to walk out your salvation, to walk out what God has asked you to do. Joshua, he tells him, I want you to walk around the city once for six days. Just walk around silently. What? Do you realize that every victory we have that God has been a part of, it's never been what we've expected? Never. You know why? One, you can't tell the future. Two, God works in mysterious ways. Three, his ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. And four, the only way for him to get glory is to do it his way, not yours. Man. In the face of Jericho, call, God calls Joshua and the people to exercise their faith. In the great book of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith, the chapter of in the, in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11 is all about faith. By faith Moses, by faith Noah, everything that happened, every victory that happened, all started with faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. God says, I've handed over Jericho to you. It's a done deal. I've given you the city. Take it at my word. Take it as an act of faith. Do what I've asked you. March around the city. On the seventh day, do it seven times because I'm going to give you the city. And no, you can't see it yet. It's not actual yet. And you don't visually see it because I need you to see it spiritually before you can hand it physically. 
Sometimes God just wants you to say, you know what, Lord, I trust you. Handle it. That's all he wants to say. And he looks at God and says, God, he's ready. He's ready. Do it. Do it. <laughs> You're too busy wanting it your way, wanting it done when you want it done. Jesus is not your divine pharmacist. He don't need your prescription. Last I check, I won't even go there. Keep marching. Be patient. March around for seven days. According to Hebrews, faith is the confidence and the assurance of what we hope for is going to happen. It's the evidence of things we have not or cannot see. That's the definition of faith. When you've marched around the city for the very last time, on the seventh day, do it seven times. Shout in anticipation of what I'm going to do. Come on. Are you shouting in anticipation of what God's going to do for you this week? Amen. I was talking to Gary earlier this week or today, but it's come at a point in my life where physically I'm, I'm over. God's delivered me from physical sin and, and everything else. Now my sin is always spiritual. It's more of the heart. It's, you know, frustration, it's anger, it's impatience, it's, I gotta be, man, I gotta honor my wife. I can't be rude. That was stupid. That, don't say that. You hurt her feeling. You know, I'm battling like a, like a little girl or a little kid inside, like, oh, that was dumb. Don't say that to her. The, you know, my sin now, my Jericho is all within. It's not physical. It's not an, an outward act of disobedience or willful disobedience. Um, and I find it very difficult much more difficult to be delivered from physical stuff. Um, and there's a reason for it. That's spiritual sin. Spiritually missing the mark. It's deep. Those walls are dug deep. That's from a childhood of anger. That's from the whole middle child syndrome. That's from um, a being a bully all the time and trying to learn how to love on people. That stuff is deep within me. The physical stuff, oh, it's over. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. Spiritually, it's very different, very difficult. It takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of anticipation. I wonder what marching around your Jericho looks like. If you could visualize marching around your own Jericho, what does it look like? What are you praying for? What's the essence? Is it impatience? Is it frustration? Is it anger? Is it, um, is it tragedy as a child? Were you, there's a lot of things that people deal with inside, deep inside. Not where the walls are, are shown, but where the rebar goes into the ground. That's holding the walls. Where the studs go through, you know, and, and whether it's concrete or wood or whatever. What's the foundation of your Jericho? What city has your Jericho been built upon? What's it going to look like in your life? I wonder where God's going to call you to exercise patience, persistence, and participation. How long will it be? 
before the circle of time is complete. How long will it be until your Jericho comes down? Will it happen on the first day this week, Monday? Will it happen on Tuesday when you're struggling because Monday's brutal and you didn't get to bed at 10? Will it happen on Wednesday when the kids are going buck wild and nobody's listening and your husband doesn't listen and your boss is blowing you up? Will it happen on Thursday for your Jericho when you feel like you're facing all your giants? Will it happen on Friday night when you smell what you used to do in the city of Brea? Will it happen on Friday night when you see the people you used to be getting hammered? And now you're praying for yourself to be delivered from certain things. I'm wondering, will it happen Saturday when you enjoy your family and then you got to refocus on your Jericho wall? I'm wondering if it'll happen on Sunday when you have to walk around the park seven times. I can't walk a block, but I'm going to do it. You may not see me while the message is being preached because I'll still be walking, but I got to do what I got to do for me. I got to work out my own salvation. I'm going to close with this. I started off by telling you that Adam and Eve ruined paradise. I just gave you the blueprint for every single one of your Jerichos to come down. You've got to see Christ first and foremost. You'll never see the commander of the Lord's army if you're not looking for him. Number two, you've got to fall on your face. You've got to surrender, be completely humbled. Number three, you've got to take your shoes off. You've got to show some reverence. You've got to worship God Almighty. Worship, for, worship him for what he's done for you and what he's about to do for you. Don't forget about those things. You constantly ask God all the time, what's next, what's next, what's next? When's the last time you spent 20 minutes of prayer in the morning just thanking him? In utter gratitude, you know that that's our prayer, that's the solution of our prayer, that we got to come with a spirit of gratitude? Lord, I know you've done a lot, and I'm so grateful. I haven't forgot about the day you delivered me from smoking, delivered me from being a whore, delivered me from, from having three kids from three different ladies. You've delivered me from uh, being addicted to porn. You've, been, you've delivered me from being addicted to pot, from me, I've never been a drinker. Yeah, these are all my sins. These are all the things that I've been delivered from physically. Come on. At some point in time, you got to come to God. At some point in time, you have to come to God and say, thank you for what you've done. What's next? Then you could say, what's next? When your shoes are off and you're completely humble, like I just told you all of my trash, and you seek God first and foremost, guess what? Then you can go, woo! Because on the seventh day at the park, you're going to go, woo! He didn't even have to fight his Jericho. He didn't even have to battle. God brought the walls down. Do you know, historically, God didn't even bring the, all the walls down. 
Again, he did it unexpectedly. You know what he did? He just brought the top wall down. The top wall down brought everything else down. Archaeologically, they found evidence of all the walls leading up to the top wall were still grounded into the ground. God only brought what he needed brought down. That's it. That's it. They didn't even have to fight. Not an archer was sent. Not an arrow was sent. The Israelites go up to the city of Jericho. The wall comes tumbling down, takes all the other walls, fills the moat with stone because all the walls have come down. God has provided a platform for the Israelites to go up to the city that he's already promised them and given them. They haven't even drawn a sword. And now they take every child, every human being, and take that entire city just as he promised them. Man. Adam and Eve ruined paradise by inviting sin and death into a perfect world, a hopeless case. Everybody was ready to close the book on all those hopeless cases and situations I shared with you. The end game was over. For those without faith, they couldn't see the future. But if there's one thing we learned from the scripture... And from this story in Joshua 5, verse 13 through 15, is that we can never place a period in our lives when God wants a comma. God's got a lot more to do. You just keep hindering him. You stop him from doing certain things in your life. When all other options have worn out, when circumstances can't get worse, when everything else fails, when your Jericho's still standing, get ready because that's when God shows up. Do you know that God prefers to work in those situations? It's favorable for him. He gets the glory out of it. Because Joseph became the second in command. Because the Red Sea parted. Gideon beat 300,000 with 300. Goliath's head was served on a platter. Esther spoke to the king. Daniel tamed a freaking lion. The oven felt like room temperature for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The city of Nineveh repented. Peter became the rock for this church. Paul rejoiced. There was 12 baskets left over after feeding 5,000. Lazarus was just kidding about being dead. Timothy built a church. Abraham built the family. The youngest son became home to a party. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down and Christ rose from the dead. With God, what seems like a hopeless situation is not only possible, it's favorable. Because only God can get the glory. God turns the mess into a message. God turns the trial into a trial. He turns the test into a testimony and a victim into a victory. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know if you've been addicted, abused, tormented, bullied. I don't know what your Jericho is. All I know is how to bring it down. And I just shared it with you. There's prayer, there's preparation, and there's participation. You've got to seek God. Worship team, come up. You've got to seek God. You've got to surrender. You've got to worship. And for the love of God, you've got to be obedient. His power, come on, the Bible says his power 
is made perfect in your weakness. He needs you to be weak for his power to be perfect. That's why the Bible in James says, count it all joy, because that's when God's ready to roll. Count it all joy. His power is made perfect in weakness, so let us rejoice in our trials and hold unswervingly the hope we profess. Because he who promised it is faithful. Was faithful and will be faithful. I want you to understand something. If, I give, if there's one great advice I will give you that one of the pastors on the third year of Jericho shared with me. And I was talking to Pastor Davis. Most of you know him. He's in the city of, of, of Brea. He pastors a church down here, House of Prayer. And he said, how was your Jericho? I said, nothing. I didn't feel nothing. I'm still struggling with my Jericho. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, all right. And he says, let's pray. So he prayed over me. I was like, cool. A couple of days later, I began to realize something. What I was praying for, I wasn't ready to be delivered from. And by the grace of God, and because he loves me, he delivered me from something entirely different. A couple of weeks later, after having that revelation, I saw Pastor Davis. I said, dude, you, got, he, you know, he's a surfer, dude, totally down to earth. He says, dude, all the time. So I was like, hey, dude, listen, I got to tell you something. Dude, check it out. I tell him, you know how you asked me about my Jericho? He's like, yeah. I said, man, by the grace of God, he delivered me from something completely different, something I wasn't even praying about. And he says, you know why? And I said, no. He said, well, you're, not, you're not ready for that to come down in your life. God's protecting you. I'm like, what, how? What do you mean? He says, sometimes there's walls in our lives protecting us because we're not prepared for the victory in that yet. Where's uh, Isaac? Isaac gets his license. You think I'm going to buy him a Z06, his first year of a license? <laughs> you think I'm going to buy this guy a, a 600 horsepower car? Not that I could. I'm just giving you a, a, an illustration. A loving father wouldn't do that to his son. He's not ready for a Corvette. You think a loving father would do that to me and deliver me from something I'm not ready to be delivered from? God's ready to fix and deal with my finances, but he says, man, Ray, you're still not ready. I can't give you this job. This job will get you through anything you need. It's perfect for you. It lines up with my will. You'll be fruitful. You'll be a blessing, and I will keep you protected, and you will be a, prov a provider for your family, but you're not ready because you're not willing to do what you should be doing right now. So don't be surprised if this week you don't get any deliverance from the Jericho you're praying about, but you do get deliverance from something else because it's God's love and his grace upon you. If that is the, if that is the, the best thing I could suggest this week for Jericho and its conference, to understand that any hopeless situation, God can move things completely different and unexpected from you.
He's here with you at this moment with a sword drawn standing in front of you. We're not asking the right question. We're not prepared for a Jericho to come down in our life. And we've still got our shoes on. Look up, fall on your face, take off your shoes, march around the city, and shout. Hopeless situations require that blueprint for your Jericho to come down. Hopeless situations require this blueprint for your Jerichos to come down. Before the battle started, the commander of the Lord of, the, of God's army said, I've given this city over to you. Bow your heads with me. What is that? No longer slaves? The worship team is going to play a song, and the title of it is No Longer Slaves. No longer a slave, a child of God. The series leading up to Jericho about deliverance and four aspects in our lives that all of us could use deliverance in. Fear, sin, isolation, and comparison. Lead, up, lead us up to this point. Lead us up to this battle. And I'm wondering, are you ready? Is your Jericho ready to come down? Are you seeking? Are you surrendering? Are you worshiping? And are you about to shout in anticipation? My prayer is that I'm going to help you start this week of Jericho in the conference. This altar call is about you. I know a lot of you here. I don't know you, what is transpiring in your lives, what kind of counseling you're seeking, whatever the case may be in your life. I don't have the answer, but I know who does. And I think as we begin Jericho, as this church in this city, as these people, I think it's clear that many of us need to start Jericho this morning here at the altar. It could be a prayer about your husband, your spouse, your wife. It could be a prayer about sickness. It could be a, a prayer about Jericho and the conference and the preparation and the hands and the effort and the prayer and, and all that goes into a conference. The kids, the children. I mean, we've got to pray over their safety. We've got to pray over their, their, um, uh, their supplies, their education material. We've got to pray over the pastors. All six of these pastors, including our personal pastor, who, who've invested a lot of time, who've moved their schedules. You are going to have some of the, a couple of great scholars speaking at this Jericho conference. 
beloved friends of this church, leaders in this city of Brea, people that lead the pastoral board in this city of Brea. Man, the battle is yours to win. Are you ready for it? As worship plays this song, I'm no longer a slave. If you are willing to come up and begin to pray for your Jericho, I think you will take the greatest first step of this conference that is perhaps possible. The word has been given to you and by the grace of God it wasn't me. The worship song that's being sung right now is fitting for many of us. The opportunity is ripe. I've told you before, fruit doesn't grow next to the trunk. Fruit grows out on a limb. At some point in time, you've got to go out on a limb to be fruitful. For some of you, just coming up here is going out on a limb. Thank you, Jesus, for that. <laughs>